Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. This is Pentecost Sunday. The Sunday we celebrate uh, the, the, the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of Holy Spirit upon the church, the inauguration of the church age. And for those of us who grew up in traditional churches, we didn't hear much about Pentecost Sunday because people really didn't believe in Pentecost. They said that that, that day and age had passed and, 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 and there was no need for all of these things that folk were doing in certain churches. But we understand that this is, this is still the church age and Holy Spirit is present until God takes him out of this world uh, in the end times. So we want to talk today from Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11, uh, probably the, most of the chapter of Acts uh, chapter 2. I said 1 and I, I wrote 1 but it's chapter 2 like I I said earlier, so let me change this. So if I look at this page again, I won't see one. Praise the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, and I will begin at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, those of us who grew up on King James, we love the sound of when the day of Pentecost fully came. <laughs> Amen. That just sounds good. But... NIV says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, that were in Jerusalem, that were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderness, in bewilderment, excuse me, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language. And let me skip to verse 11, the second part of that. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues or, or, or languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 11, last part of that. What does this mean? I want to talk about fresh fire for the church and world today. Pentecost, fresh fire for the church and world today. So Lord, thank you again for this opportunity to stand and proclaim your word. I pray for fresh fire in my life right now, fresh anointing of your spirit. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Fresh, fresh fire for the church and world today. Pentecost. Pentecost. And I begin to think about uh, this day, and I've been thinking about this and praying over this for the last few weeks as we're in this season um, from, from Easter to the ascension of Christ, 10 days at that uh, after the resurrection of, of Christ, that the disciples were gathered in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Father. Uh, I began to think about things that, that maybe only me, because I don't know what you think. <laughs> uh, think about, about Pentecost. Think about what I've seen, in particular in the Pentecostal church, uh, holding, Pentecostal or holiness churches, not necessarily and other denominations, and no shade upon them, but just what you know from your experience, 
and what you're saying. I begin to think about that, you know, begin to think about high church worship and the choir, the praise team really leading us in high worship and, you know, dancing and, and praising the Lord and maybe speaking in tongues and, you know, prophesying and laying hands on and all of this happening in, in the worship experience. But the Holy Spirit put me in check. Holy Spirit put me in check and said, you're dealing with this from a humanistic point of view. You're dealing with this, you're thinking about this from, in terms of what you have seen and what people have done in particular churches or congregations, which does not speak of what I have revealed in the scriptures. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit took me back and had me look at this scripture again. And in this particular scripture, I don't necessarily see an emotional response to the outpouring of Holy Spirit. I don't see emotional response. Yes, they spoke in other tongues, other languages. You're talking about, talking about the day of Pentecost. But we don't see an emotional response. There's nowhere in here where the choir was singing. The church wasn't even formed as a church at this point. Uh, but the believers, 120 of them were in the upper room. Now, you know, and, and I believe that as the Lord was dealing with me about this, he was showing, showing me uh, to share with you, it's important that we see how far we have moved away from the scriptures. And we've established traditions in the church that, not, that don't necessarily line up with what the scripture has taught us. All right. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with emotions. We are emotional people. And it is true, if you're going to go to the nightclub and dance to the devil's music, when you get saved, you ought to come to church and dance to God's music. But, but, but the emotional response is not what we see when we look at Scripture. The day of Pentecost, when, had, when as King James says, when it had fully come, what do we see in this text, what do we see about the outpouring of Holy Spirit in the lives of believers? We know that Christ promised him. We know that Jesus said, I will not leave you helpless. I will not leave you helpless. I will not leave you comfortless. I will send the helper. And, and you know, the danger of, of focusing on emotions, emotions is that we will live on an emotional level and we won't grow and, and, and be able to operate in ministry from a level of truth and a level of objectivity and actually being led by the Spirit of God to do the things of God. Our emotions play a part in this. You know, we, we're not void of emotions because we're human beings. But it's important that we move beyond emotions. Yeah, you can be, you know, um, you know, emotions are like apple pie and blackberry pie and peach cobbler and banana pudding and, and uh, chocolate cake or, or German chocolate cake or, uh, you know, all of those uh, uh, pineapple upside down cake and, you know, all of the wonderful desserts. Emotions can be like that. But you can't live off of desserts. You have to live off of a solid, balanced diet. You need the vegetables. You know, you need the starches. You need, you need, you need, you need the protein. You need all of that for a well-balanced diet. And emotions, the dessert should be a small part of it. You know, some people, when they eat, they eat the dessert first. But, you know, the sugar will fill you up fast and make you feel like you're not hungry. You know, when you, then you're void of the vegetables and the protein that you need for a healthy body. So emotions play a small part, but they're not the larger part of our, our experience with the Lord. And so it's critical that we go back to Scripture and really look at Scripture. We, we've taught over and over and over again here that it is the Scriptures that are most important. What has God said in the Scriptures? What do we see when we study the scriptures, you know, and of course, a lot of people don't want to take the time to really study the scriptures. So it's, it's good to go to a church where you get the emotional charge, you know, and you get all hyped up and you leave and say, oh, we had church today. But when you face the challenges of life tomorrow, the emotions don't help you. Emotions really don't help you get through it. You know, have you ever been in an argument with someone and you got emotional, 
And you saw what happened when you got emotional. Amen. You were not able to think objectively and answer the situations and, and, and address the issues uh, from a valid point of truth. And you get in your emotions and you just kind of lose it. Emotions, okay, but when I look at scripture, I don't see that emotional response. And it's wonderful to dance and to praise the Lord, but when I look at scripture, I don't see that in the scriptures when it comes to the day of Pentecost. I know what happens when Holy Spirit comes to, to live in you, when he, when he fills you with his presence. There's going to be an emotional response, but you don't stay in that emotions very long because you got to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and you got to be able to face the challenges of everyday life. So the day of Pentecost, when I look at it, I don't see them staying in the upper room with them with their 120 there in the upper room, standing there prophesying and, and speaking in tongues to one another. Because outside of the upper room, they heard, the, they heard the voice. They heard the noise. And they wouldn't have heard the noise if they had just stayed in the upper room. So Holy Spirit ushered them out. Amen. And they were out in the streets and they were prophesying. And everybody who heard them understood them in their own language. I mean, that's, amen, which takes me to my very first point of the message. This is a God phenomenon. A, very, a God phenomenon. So in this process of, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself or what the Lord gave me to write, um, but in this process of meditating and praying, Holy Spirit shifted my thinking and took me back to the scriptures. And we have to always go back to the scriptures. Amen. You know, we see so much in the church and we so, hear so much in the church world, we have to go back to the scriptures. Because we want to see what took place on Pentecost from God's perspective, and we want to understand what God was doing on the day of Pentecost. Okay, we know that the day of Pentecost, this was a feast day for the Jews, and we know that, that it's, it, it commemorated the, the giving of the Torah, I mean, to the Jews, and it was accompanied by fire. Fire, yes, is powerful, but it speaks to us of God being a consuming fire. Why is God a consuming fire? Well, part of the reason is that there's so much in us that needs to be consumed that will never be consumed if we are left to ourselves. Because we won't change. No, left to ourselves, we will not change. We will remain the same. And, you know, you know, so... <laughs> Left to ourselves, and left to ourselves will keep us in a limited environment, keep us in a box, left to ourselves. And in a limited environment, we only experience the people that are around us in that limited environment. And we won't grow. We won't see new perspectives. We won't hear new ideas. We won't be challenged in the way we think and the way we do things. Left to ourselves. God was not leaving them to themselves. So, so anyway. Amen. Is this making any sense to anybody? All right. All right. All right. All right. So, let's see here. As we look at the scriptures, one thing that I noticed on the day of Pentecost, and I shouldn't say I noticed because Holy Spirit does revelation because you can read the scripture and miss so much apart from Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost was characterized, yes, by the outpouring of Holy Spirit upon the lives of those 120 believers in the upper room. That outpouring caused some things to happen in their lives that was not necessarily emotional, but was powerful and trans transforming, okay? The first thing that we see happening is that this is a, a God phenomenon. God did this suddenly as they were waiting. Remember Jesus said, go back to the upper room and wait. Stop going in and out of Jerusalem. You need focus. You need to be focused on what I've told you to do. You need to be focused on what I've promised and who I've promised. You need to be focused so that you're prepared to receive what I am about to do. So suddenly... They, they didn't know when. They didn't know when this was going to happen. They just knew it was going to happen. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw 
what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is God at work. This is a God phenomenon. This is God moving. As in the giving of the Torah, accompanied by the fire of God, so the giving of the Holy Spirit, signifying the new work that God was doing in the world, and he does it in the world through the lives of people. He could just, he could just, he could have just did what he did. But what good would that have been without incorporating those people who had heard him, those people who had followed him, those people who had obeyed him, and those people that he would use to spread the gospel message to other people in the world? Remember, there are only 120 in the upper room. So that 120 had the benefit of what God was doing, but the benefit was not for them to be emotional. The benefit was not for them simply to speak in tongues for themselves. The benefit was not for them to shout and praise the Lord in the upper room and knock the windows out and knock the seats over. The benefit was for, to, to enable them, to empower them, to take the gospel message to the world. And Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses, witnesses unto me. So and you'll be a witnesses unto me to be my witness. You need to know me. You need to know me. In order to know me, you have to experience me in a way that you've never experienced me. So the day of Pentecost was powerful. What happened in the upper room was powerful. The people experienced Christ in the presence and person of Holy Spirit. He came to indwell them. The Bible says they were clothed. They were endued. They were clothed. Fire from on high. They experienced. This was an experience for them. But think about what it was for. This was an experience for them. 120 people, and from 120 people, look at the size of the church universal today. For 120 people. Now, if we get a fresh infilling, because you see, what has happened in the church is that we've moved away from Holy Spirit and his infilling and his power and his experience. We're, we're smart people. We can read the Bible. We can. I, saw, I told you the other day, this guy wrote, I don't need anybody reading the Bible to me or telling me what the Bible says. I have a mind I can read for myself. Well, yes, you have a mind you can read for yourself, but unless, that, unless you're filled with Holy Spirit, you can't really understand what God is doing and what God is actually saying. Because even when you read for yourself, you have to understand that the Bible was not written in English and it was not written in a, to a Western culture and a Western mindset. And so many other things that are tied up in the interpretation of Scripture. So you can miss a whole lot of things if you think you don't need to sit under teaching and grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You can miss a whole lot of things if you think that just because you have a diploma, a, a BA, a BS, a master's, or a PhD, just because you come from a certain family, you'll miss a whole lot of things without Holy Spirit. These men had been with the 12, the 11, had been with Jesus two and a half years. They'd been sitting on this teacher, but they had to be in the upper room that day because there was something else that they needed. I've been in the church 50 years, I know. That's what people say. You ain't got to tell me. I know. I've been around. I've been in the church. It's Holy Spirit living in you. Is he living in you? Has he been poured out in your life? Because when he's in you, God is in you. Christ is in you. Holy Spirit is in you to live out the life of Christ in and through you. Be a witness unto me. Be my witnesses. How am I his witness? Holy Spirit has to live in me. Revealing Christ to me. Revealing his will. Revealing his way. Revealing his thoughts. Revealing his mind in me. 
then I'm his witness. Not because I read the Bible. I don't preach to you simply because I read and understand the scriptures. I preach to you because Holy Spirit lives in me. I preach to you because I have a personal revelation of Jesus Christ. I have a personal walk with Jesus Christ. The scriptures are real to me. I live it every day. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I see the power of God active and alive in my life. I got a personal experience with the Lord. Joined the church when I was 10 years old. Got baptized when I was 10 years old. That didn't mean that that I really knew Christ. It meant that I heard the gospel. I believed what I heard or either I followed my friends who joined the church that night, that Wednesday night in revival. A lot of things happen. Or old people say, you're at the age of accountability, which you don't hear that much anymore. You have the age of accountability. You need to join the church. They, don't, they didn't tell us you need to get saved. You need to join the church. You're old enough now. They had a concept in their minds, you know, that this is a time that you need to make a decision for Christ, but it w- wasn't explained in that way. Yeah. So as we celebrate Pentecost, it's important for us to recognize that the event that took place at Pentecost was God at work. The disciples didn't create this. They didn't create, God was doing this. So when it comes to the church world, you, no program, you know, no plan, no event, no big day, no dressing up can be a substitute for God being at work in and through his church. We can't, we can't substitute. We can't create Anything that is a substitute for the outpouring of Holy Spirit. And we can't, we can't neglect him. We can't reject him and still be the church. We cannot say that that day is past and gone. Because that day, or, or the events of that day, or, 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 or the experience of that day, is not past and gone. That's not something that happened then, and Holy Spirit is not present and working now. He's still present and working now. And look at this. When, when God was at work, he was at work not for the glory of the, of, of the people, but for his own glory. For his own glory. Amen? For his own glory. Look at the testimony. They said, what is this thing that's happening? Aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that we hear that each of us hears them in our native language? the list of people that would gather there, the different nations of the earth. Now, God is at work, saints. God is at work, all right? Because God's desire has always been for all people to be saved. God called the Jews not for them just to be a special people treasure unto themselves, but so that they would be used by him to bring other peoples to him, all right, from other nations of the world. And the Jews, you know, they just got kind of very... Uh, selfish and missed the mark and, 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 and even start treating Samaritans like they were second-class citizens and didn't have anything to do with them. You can't win people to Christ when you don't want to have anything to do with them. You can't look down on people and win them to Christ if you don't want to have anything to do with them. You can't be too good for some people. And people can't be too bad for you to reach them. How many folk have given up on other people? How many people don't, in the church don't want to have anything to do with certain groups of people? So we're acting just like the Jews acted. We're turning up our noses at, uh, at certain groups of people. Looking the wrong way. Judging them. Anyway, anyway, let me go. Yeah. So, so they said, we hear them. This, this is their testimony. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, our own languages. They didn't say. We hear them speaking in other tongues. Where is the interpreter? And that, that, now, 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 I, I'd come to that point, which is important. And, and whatever I say today, I'm not taking anything away prayerfully from the work of Holy Spirit. I just believe God is enlarging our understanding on some things. 
Because as we grow in him, he enlarges our understanding. We can look at the words of Scripture and read it one way, but the question is, God, what are you saying to us in 2022? What what are you saying to the church today? So, 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 we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. We don't hear a noise in the, in, in, in the upper room of thumping on the floor. We don't hear the choir singing amazingly in the upper room. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. That was testimony. God was being glorified through what was happening in the, other room, uh, in the upper room by the wonders of God being declared. Oh, when we get to the point where the entire body of Christ is declaring the wonders of God, then we're at a point where the entire body is being used by God to bring other people to him. We're hearing a lot of things declared in this world today. Think about it now. I was just reading an article yesterday about... Uh, um, I think this man is Charles Stanley's son who, who was saying that the evangelical church uh, is in a crisis today because during the pandemic, they made, they made the wearing of masks and politics paramount in their decisions and they forgot about people. You think about it. Think about where the evangelical church, the stand that the evangelical church took. I don't use the term for us evangelical. We still have to be the, we have to be the, uh, the body of Christ in the world today. We can't just label ourselves as Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or what have you. Just be the body of Christ in the world today. When you think about what the stand that the church took were politics, and he said, people began to love America and they stopped loving Americans. I read that thing and I said, oh God, so true. People began to say, we want to take back America. And it's happening today. And there are so many terms that come up. I had to look up what woke meant. Because I, you know, I heard somebody use it. I'd go look it up. Wokeness. And, 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 and it's happening today. As you, as you see across America, people are talking about taking back America. But when you, when you think about taking back America, it just doesn't have to do with, with African-Americans and slavery or what have you. It's like forcing people to come back under the Christian church. And how do you force people to come back? Jesus didn't force you to come back to the Bible. He never forced any of us. Nobody. He didn't force us. Yes, God's way is right. But the Lord did not force us. Jesus did not come as a political leader. He came as the Son of God to reveal God to us. And he still gives every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl the opportunity to make a decision for him or reject him. There are consequences. Whenever you you make the Bible law in the land, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be dangerous in America. You think we got problems now. But if, 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 if certain political leaders get in place and they, they make Scripture a requirement for this land, it will be dangerous and detrimental to the cause of Christ. When Constantine made Christianity state religion, it hurt the church and the witness of the church because when the Lord established the church, he knew we were going to face persecution. He knew people were going to reject us. He knew people were going to turn against us. But yet, he anointed us with his power and he sent us into the world. And it's through the persecution that that the church grew. It's through the persecution of the church that he scattered the people. Oh, I just need to just go ahead and as the Lord give it to me, I'm going to preach it. When you look at, when you look at the Tower of Babel, when you look in Genesis chapter 11, when you look at the Tower of Babel and, and you compare the Tower of Babel to Pentecost, you see God scattering the people, God confusing the language. Why? Because they said, let us go, they moved to this land, I believe Shinar, and they said, let's build a tower and let's make a name for ourselves. Let's settle here. God said, no, 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 no. They left God out of the picture. Listen, don't leave God out of your picture. 
Don't leave God out of your picture. Don't think that you can make life good and prosperous for yourself and leave God and his ways out of your picture. When I looked at this thing, when I looked at, when I looked at the Tower of Babel, they left God out of the picture. They said, let's settle here. Let's stay right here in this area and let's make a name for ourselves. They didn't say, let's glorify God. And God came down and confused the language and scattered the people. So what was God's original intent for those who follow him? Not just to settle in one place, but to go out and proselytize and win people to him. That converts will be made to him. Why don't we want to talk about Jesus today? What is the world pushing us to do? Don't talk about Christ. Don't talk about him. Everybody has a right to believe what they want to believe. Let people believe what they want to believe. Everybody does have a right, but we have a responsibility. Not to push Christ down your throat, but just declare the wonders for works of God. Just declare that Jesus is still the Savior. Just declare that God anointed Christ, amen, and sent him into the world to save his people from their sins. To declare that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not Hare Krishna. It's Jesus, the Christ of God. We still have that responsibility. I don't care if people have their rights. Tell them about Jesus. Don't push Jesus down that throat, but let the Holy Ghost draw them. Tell them, but they're not going to know unless we tell them. So God scattered. He scattered the people on the day of Pentecost. When everybody's speaking all of these different languages on the day of Pentecost, he came and he empowered the people. And he filled them with his presence. And now they're speaking, but everybody is hearing in their own tongues, in their own languages. God is bringing unity again, but it's his unity that he's bringing to the body of Christ. He's bringing the body of Christ back together. So see, politics shouldn't separate us. Mask wearing shouldn't separate us. Not if we respect one another. If I don't feel comfortable wearing a mask, then I need to, I want to say it the other way. If I feel comfortable wearing a mask, then I don't look down at you because you don't. And if there's an issue where a group of us are coming together and there are some people who don't feel comfortable without a mask, then I need to go with the side of the minority, not the majority. Amen. Because if eating meat offends my brother, then I will not eat meat. I will not make Jesus a political messiah. I will not. Jesus is not Republican. Jesus is not Democrat. I will not make him a political leader because he is not a political leader. Just study his life. They wanted to establish the kingdom of, 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 of Judah again. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said, mind your business. It's not for you to know times and seasons that the Lord has put on his own authority. But you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. This is your business because it's my business. You are my followers. So this is what you're supposed to be focused on. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 so he brought, he, 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 he united, he united us in his power. And just notice now, notice what happened even to the early saints when they stayed in Jerusalem. Persecution came. Why did persecution come? Because they were staying in Jerusalem. And that was not his intention. He scattered them. He used persecution to scatter them. Because the word has to get out now. This gospel has to be spread. Could it be some of the persecution you're facing in your life is that you are not talking about Jesus like you should? 
I'm just asking a question. Now, you can answer the question the way you want to answer it. You know, see, Peter declared, I think it's in chapter 26 when he was talking to, to Herod. He said, this thing was not done in a corner. So this was not a private matter. It was not done in secret. What God did, God did for everybody to see and everybody to know. When God saved you, he saved you for everybody to see and everybody to know. He didn't do it in a corner. So you sitting back saying, well, you know, you know, I'm just trying to be nice. You know, I don't want to offend people. So I'm not going to talk much about Jesus. You need to be talking about Jesus. You need to be talking about Jesus. Young people, you need to be talking about Jesus. Yeah, people believe what they want to believe. People, people are, they're, 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 we're in this uh, uh, syncretizing, synch- they're trying to, that's the right word, right? Syncretize everything when it comes to Christianity. You know, every, all faith leads to one God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You're going to have an image of Buddha in your house. You got 15 Buddhas in your house. Big Buddhas and little Buddhas. <laughs> God is a spirit, and they who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Make an idol of God? You don't make an idol of him. He doesn't tell you to go out and attach a bomb to yourself so you can kill people and find favor when you get to heaven. That's not the God we serve. Yeah. 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 Last point, because I don't know where I am in my notes. (laughs) Hallelujah. Last point. And I may have touched on this, but with all that God was doing in the upper room, he was transforming their lives. He was transforming their lives. Y'all bear with me a little bit. It's cold. I know. but I'm almost done. Oof. Lord Jesus. He was transforming their lives. Yeah. Yeah, he was transforming their lives. Transformation is the key to to a committed Christian life. I'm not going to be committed to Christ if the Lord hadn't transformed me. What did he do when he met Saul on the road to Damascus? He wasn't just knocking him off of his beast. He was transforming him. Because this man was important for the work of the kingdom. This is a man who knew the law. You wonder why Paul wrote so many books of the New Testament? Because he knew the law, but the Lord had transformed him. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, he was a keeper of the law. He was a man without guile. He was so faithful to God in his era. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Because you can be faithful to God. You can be in error thinking you are faithful to God. You see, what happened was he knew what God did under the law, but he missed the new thing that God was doing. And sometimes in church, we can become so traditional and so in our box that we know what God did in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s and the 50s, but here we are in 2022. And church really needs to be open to this. What is God doing today? God is not stagnant. Even though he does not change, he gives fresh revelation of who he is in every generation. Doesn't change who he is, but he opens our understanding. He opens our understanding. We get more and more revelation as we study him. So more and more of us have tools of scriptural interpretation. More and more of us are sitting under teachings that talk about tools of scriptural interpretation and interpreting scripture correctly. More and more, even our young people, even our teenagers, they are understanding things that we didn't understand when we were teenagers. When I went to Sunday school, we studied the Sunday school book. And that was all. We dealt with the explanation that was given. And that was all. I didn't understand scriptural interpretation. So as I grew in the Lord, I began to understand more. And I began to learn how to look at the scriptures. And let's, many times scripture will interpret scripture if you study deep enough and long enough. 
But anyway, he was transforming their lives. And you have to be transformed. And this transformational transformation is ongoing. It's ongoing. We, we are to be like Christ. Being like Christ is not just a term that we use. It's not just something that we sing about. So what took place in the upper room was the Lord was transforming these people in the upper room who at one point had been fearful, who at one point had been doubtful, who were in hiding. I mean, in, in a matter of, 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 of I'm going to say minutes, the Lord doesn't tell us how long, a minutes or hours, they were in the upper room waiting and suddenly there came from heaven, this, this, this phenomenon, Holy Spirit came, filled them, they began to speak with other tongues. It was so impactful, it was so uncontainable that they couldn't stay in the room, but throughout the city, they were going and they were speaking the wonderful works of God and everybody who heard them, understood them in their own language. And then as people began to say, these folk are drunk. Here is the man who had denied Jesus, the man who had lied and said he didn't know Jesus, the man who, had, who, who wouldn't step up to the plate, the man who wanted to start the revelation, revolution, standing up saying, these people are not drunk, as you say, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Here is Peter transformed by the Holy Spirit. Don't think that God can't transform you, but you've got to get yourself to the point that you're open to him. Now notice now, I want to back up because, because a lot of Christians miss this. Jesus said, stop going in and out of Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem because something is about to happen. Stay focused. Stay focused. Listen. Stop being in and out of church. Stop jumping from one church to the other church. Stop going because you like the music, you know, or you like your friends go. Sit down under sound teaching of the word of God because God wants to transform you. And as long as you are unstable, as long as you're flipping and flopping, you don't know what you're looking for. You don't like going to this church because of that person. Stop that foolishness. It's more than one person in any congregation. You don't have friends. Now, the Bible says the way you have friends is you show yourself friendly. When did you show yourself friendly? Stop this. Stay. Stay focused because something is about to happen. And they had to be there. They had to be there in order to experience the transformational power of Holy Spirit. And he changed them because they were to be his witnesses, not the Jewish's witness, not the witness of the law, not the witness of their friends, but they were to be his witnesses. And when the Lord transforms you, he does not transform you to be like me. He doesn't transform you to be like your friend. He doesn't transform you to be like someone else that's in your circle. He transforms you to be like him. Because you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to be a vehicle, to be a vessel, to be a conduit the Holy Spirit uses to get his message out. Now, I, thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't know, I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not. <laughs> but that's okay. The Lord didn't give it to me for you to agree with. And thank you, Lord, for bringing me back to this. He wants to use you as a conduit. Now, you know, when I read this about, um, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, okay? And I mentioned to you about the, the speaking in tongues in the church and needing an interpreter. Remember that all of this was, is within the walls or within the limits of a particular group or congregation. Holy Spirit is not limited to you doing interpretation for somebody else to understand. That's too limited for him. So I'm beginning to say, Lord, what were you doing? Holy Spirit, help me understand what you were doing when you talk about here that people begin to understand in their own language. Now remember, Jesus has said, the gospel of this kingdom, uh, the end will not come 
until the gospel of this kingdom has been preached in every nation for witness to every people group. Now, if Holy Spirit has to wait until somebody yields to him to get an interpretation of a tongue, that's going to be a mighty long process. And Holy Spirit began to minister to me, and I began to look at scriptural interpretation and the will of God. God, has given, God was given the ability to the body of Christ so that when we preach the word, part of it could be I can go to some tribe in Africa and, or in, uh, in, 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 in Asia or somewhere like that, some remote place, because there are remote places even in the United States. We shouldn't just lump everything in Africa. Go to some, some village up in the mountains in California you know, or West Virginia, some way back somewhere and find a group of people that don't speak English like we speak English. Maybe part of it could be God giving us the ability to go somewhere and proclaim his word and maybe through an interpreter people will, will, will be able to understand us. Maybe through what we say, Holy Spirit will move in such a way that people understand what we say. I was in Dominican Republic and this, this young boy, this little boy, little girl, when people who didn't speak English didn't bother trying to talk with me, this little boy, little girl, they come to me every day and we would have a conversation. I didn't understand what they were saying with their words, but they were so keen, and I began to pick up on what they were doing. They would find a way to interpret to, and to communicate with me, and I found a way to communicate with them without using words. Happened to me in Burkina Faso the first time I went. The pastor's son didn't speak any English. The pastor was the only person who spoke English. So that limited my interaction. But the pastor's son came to me every day, had conversations with me, not using words. But we began to understand each other. Maybe the Holy Spirit is working that way. But maybe God was showing us that through the power of Holy Spirit, he gives the ability for people to interpret languages that they've never known before so that people can hear the gospel message. Because his purpose, his purpose is that everybody will have the opportunity that every nation, that every tribe, that every tongue, let's get out of this American understanding of everybody speak English. Everybody doesn't speak English. Everybody would have the opportunity to hear the gospel message. We need, we need this fresh anointing today because we have limited ourselves to an American experience of God and what God is doing in the world. And many of us are not engaged in what God is doing in the world. So many of us, for whatever reason, Holy Spirit, is here to pour himself out in you so that you know him personally. You experience him personally. His power, his presence. He lives out his life in and through you. You're empowered by him. And you find creative ways through him to fulfill God's will for your life and for this world. I can't be limited with a narrow interpretation of Scripture because I want to be a part of what God is doing in this world in which I live in. I want him to transform me even more. I mean, I'm not saying that I got it all now. I don't need it anymore. I'm just prepared, waiting to go to heaven. Uh -uh. I'm waiting to go to heaven, but I don't have everything. I want, I want more. I want... I want, I want more of God being revealed in and through me so that I could be more useful to him. Why have we been open to the things that we as a congregation have been open to with spreading the gospel? Even with people equipped to teach us the word of God because God is preparing us in this day. And so, this is what I learned a long time ago. When you have the word, when you understand the word and the will of God, now you have something to praise God for. Yeah, you do. And so you don't wait till you get to church on Sunday. 
You don't wait for a Pentecostal experience in the church, in the church building. But wherever you are, you are the church. The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God manifests himself in you, empowering you, changing you, equipping you, using you. So when you give to missions, you're part of God's work. Well, if we give to a scriptural interpretation ministry, we are helping make sure through the power of the Holy Spirit that the gospel is being preached in these other 5,700 to 5,900 languages, people groups, who've never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. So people can argue we have people at home who need the gospel. Yes, we do. But guess what? People at home can turn on the television any day of the week. You encounter people at home every day. So if you're going to use that as an argument, ask yourself, what are you doing to meet those needs? Don't say, what is the church doing? Because remember, you are the church. What are you doing to meet those needs? What are you doing to feed the hungry? What are you doing to clothe the naked? And when you do it, are you talking about Jesus? Or do you just have a social services ministry? Holy Spirit wasn't given so we could have a social services ministry. Jesus said that he will testify of me. What did Jesus come to do? Seek and to save that which was lost. You know, I think the Lord of our nice little building that we have. I wish we had more people. I wish we could have state-of-the-art equipment. But you know what? The equipment that we have works quite well. We're getting the gospel out. People are listening to this broadcast in South Korea and and, and Spain and, and other parts of the world. I mean, I'm amazed at what I see God is doing. One thing I learned a long time ago is that God did not call me to build buildings. He called me to build people. When I resigned from Fishing Creek, guy was a member of our church at that time. He came to me that Friday night when I resigned. He said, or maybe that Sunday morning, he said, what are you doing? He said, look at this. He said, this is you. I looked at him and said, I said, this is not me. This is not me. A building doesn't define me. One of my friends looked at me when we went for gospel, and I'm still wearing suits that I bought from KNG looking for a sale for $99 a suit, two for $100. He said, he said I'm going to buy you a tailor-made suit. I said, well, if you want to buy me a tailor-made suit, go ahead. But, you know, I think I look pretty good the way I am because clothes don't define me. I drive the car I drive because I like the car, not because the car defines me. If I had to buy a used car to get around, I would buy a used car. Because a car doesn't define me. It's Jesus. And what he wants to do in my life. What he wants to do in your life. Don't get caught up in what people think. God has a purpose. God has an assignment on your life. That's what Pentecost all about. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. If that didn't happen for everybody, then those of us who are here who heard the message, that's okay. So right now, I pray that the word that the Lord gave me to share with you this morning blessed your heart. Amen. I pray that you were helped. I pray that you were challenged in your way of thinking that you're more open to Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in your life with you. If there's anybody today who wants to make a decision for Christ, we want to give you that opportunity because all of us are created in the Lord's image and the Lord's likeness. All of us are created for his purposes. He doesn't force his way 
or himself on anyone. He gives you the opportunity to say yes or to say no. Now think about your life. Think about where you are. Think about your responsibility to God. He didn't create you for yourself. He didn't create you just to fulfill your dreams and your desires. Because he has plans for you. He has good thoughts that he thinks about you. He has a plan to give you a future and a hope. He does. Many of us would testify to the fact that when we were trying to guide our own lives and go our own way and do our own thing, we face so much opposition, so much pain, so much heartache. But once you get to the point that you surrender to the Lord, say, God, whatever your will is for my life, do it. I'm not saying even when you do that, you're going to have persecution because the devil is going to try to pull you out. But there's a peace. And you have Holy Spirit who's going to strengthen you, who's going to keep you, who's going to usher you in and bring you in to all that God has prepared for you. Will you give your life to Jesus today? Let's stand. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Or if you've already given your life to Jesus, maybe something happened along the way as it tends to do sometimes, we get pulled by many things. Maybe you fell by the wayside. Maybe you just stopped, got out of the will of God. Is the Lord calling you back to him, calling you to rededicate your life to him so that you discover his will and his way in your life? You want to have a Pentecostal experience? This is it. Come back to Jesus. Say yes to him. Yes, just will. Yes, just will. And wait on him. Wait on him to do a work in your life. The manifestations of the gift will, gifts will come as you wait on him. Whatever gifts the Lord wants to pour out in your life because Holy Spirit gives the gifts and he gives them severally as he wills, not as we want. That will come. The important thing is to give your life to Jesus. We dedicate your life to Jesus and stay with him. Your mind is scattered. Your brain is scattered. You don't know which Holy Spirit will unify you, bring you back to your right senses. He'll not just work to unify the body, but he will settle your mind you to think on him. Whatever it is that you need in your life, he is able to give. So, if you're not saved today, you're in the sanctuary, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of confession. You don't have to. You can make your own confession, but sometimes people say, I don't know what to say. Just a prayer of confession to the Lord. If you need to rededicate your life, to the Lord, the Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Confess your sin to the Lord. Rededicate yourself to him. Do it. Don't wait. Don't let another day go by without you making that commitment to the Lord. So if you are an unconfessed sinner, now, never give your life to Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I can't save myself. 
You died on the cross to satisfy God's law on my behalf. Thank you, Lord. You gave your life, shared your blood so that I could be saved. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I yield my life to you. I thank you for saving me. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.